Lesson 2 for July 4 to 10. Abraham, the first missionary. Sabbath afternoon, July 4. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you as weak earthen vessels. Lord, we are not worthy to be called the sons and daughters of God. But because of what Jesus has done, that is possible. And as we look at how we can share this message with people around us, as we, this week, look at the story of Abraham and how, as a missionary, he shared your love to those about him and the knowledge of you to those in the surrounding kingdoms. We pray that our hearts may be open and we may walk in a way which is pleasing in your sight. We pray in Jesus' dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through to 8. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Let's read that again, Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through to 8. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. It's no coincidence that three of the world's major faiths, Judaism, Christianity and Islam, are sometimes called the Abrahamic faiths. That's because all three, in one way or another, trace their roots back to this great man of God. Though Abraham is admired as the defining example of faithfulness, this week's lesson will examine his faithfulness from a different angle. That is... We want to view him as a missionary, as someone called by the Lord to go into another land and witness to the people about the true God, the Creator and Redeemer. God gave Abraham and his family after him, as we read in Galatians 3.29, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, a threefold purpose. One, to be recipients and guardians of the divine truth of God's kingdom that had been lost in the earlier history of humankind, two, to be the channel through which the Redeemer would enter history, and three, to be as God's faithful servants, a light to the nations, a light to those who needed to know the Lord. Sunday, July 5, The Call of Abraham Our text for today is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. 
and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abram, whose name meant the father is exalted, and whose name was changed to Abraham, the father of multitudes, grew up in Ur, in what is now Iraq. God called him to separate himself from his familiar social and spiritual context and migrate to an unfamiliar country where God conducted a 100-year spiritual makeover, turning him into the father of the faithful. In the midst of personal and family struggles, Abraham became a prototype missionary to several people groups and a respected leader who witnessed to his faith in God. Question. Read through Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. What principles can you find here that could apply to any of us in our own particular situation? That is, what did Abraham experience that we might experience in our own way as well? Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And also we're to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 10. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The patriarch was called to leave his past behind him, to step out in faith, to believe what seemed unbelievable, to do what God had called him to do, and as a result of his faithfulness, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Many of us are tested, as was Abraham. Of course, we might not hear the voice of God speaking directly to us, but he calls us by the teachings of his word and the events of his providence. We may be required to abandon a career that promises wealth and honour. We might have to leave congenial and profitable associations and separate from family. Indeed, we might have to enter upon what appears only to be a path of self-denial, hardship and sacrifice. But if called, how can we refuse? So to finish today, in Genesis, the Hebrew reads literally, And God said to Abram, Go for yourself from this land. He was told to go for himself, that is, for his own sake. How should we understand what that means, and how can we apply it to ourselves? Monday, July 6. Abraham's Testimony to the Kings Lot was a relative of Abraham and accompanied him on some of his travels. 
His choice of the well-watered Jordan Valley brought him into the company of the wicked men in Sodom, as we read in Genesis 13, 1-13. Then Abram went out from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold, and he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Lot was then rescued first by Abraham, as we'll read in Genesis 14 later, and later by two angels in Genesis chapter 19. When Abraham heard that his relative Lot was in trouble, he decided to help him. In rescuing Lot, Abraham headed a military force of more than 300 men of his own household. Numerous kings were involved in the battle for Sodom, and Abraham came out the victor. Question. Read Genesis chapter 14, verses 8 to 24. What did Abraham's actions say about his character, and hence about his faith and his God? Genesis 14, beginning at verse 8. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is, Zoar, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Sidom against Chedorlaom, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elassa, four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidom was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fled there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram and the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Anah, and they were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his three hundred and eighteen trained servants, who were born in his own house, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. 
He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobar, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods, and also brought back his brother, Lot, and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet them at the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedor, and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Ana, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take your portion." To the kings he conquered, Abraham revealed the power of God. Even during this rescue mission, the father of the faithful did not lose his divine call to be a blessing to the nations. As it says in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 135, the worshipper of Jehovah had not only rendered a great service to the country, but had proved himself a man of valour. It was seen that Righteousness is not cowardice, and that Abraham's religion made him courageous in maintaining the right and defending the oppressed. His heroic act gave him a widespread influence among the surrounding tribes. On his return, the king of Sodom came out with his retinue to honour the conqueror. He bade him take the goods, begging only that the prisoners should be restored. By the usage of war, the spoils belonged to the conquerors. But Abraham had undertaken this expedition with no purpose of gain, and he refused to take advantage of the unfortunate, only stipulating that his confederates should receive the portion to which they were entitled. And so to finish today, think about your dealings with others. What kind of witness do they present to others about your faith? Tuesday, July 7, Exemplar of Faith Though hardly perfect, Abraham was a man of God, and time and again in the Bible, even in the New Testament, he is used as an example of faithfulness and of what it means to be saved by faith. Two texts for us to look at, first of all, Genesis 15, verse 6, And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him, for righteousness. And Galatians chapter 3 verse 6, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Question. Read Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 to 19. 
What does it tell us about Abraham and his faith that is so important for anyone who wants to be a missionary for God in whatever capacity possible? Well, let's begin Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 to 19. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country." Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. The Lord wanted to use Abraham, but the first thing he had to do was get him to leave the past behind. The lesson there should be obvious to any of us, especially those of us who have pasts not in harmony with the will and law of God, which actually includes us all. Amazing, too, was the fact that though Abraham left, he did not know where he was going, it said in verse 8. Though most missionaries know where they are going, at least in a geographical sense, in another sense, when we take a giant leap of faith and give our hearts totally to God, we really don't know, at least in the short run, where we will wind up, though in the long run we have absolute assurance. If we did know, it wouldn't require that much faith. Hence, not knowing is prerequisite for truly being able to live by faith. Another crucial point here is that Abraham was looking to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God, as it said in verse 10. Abraham kept the big picture in mind. He knew that whatever he faced here, whatever toils and struggles, it would all be worth it in the end. He knew too that he wasn't just a stranger in the promised land, but that he was one of many strangers and pilgrims on the earth, as it said in verse 13. This world, and our lives in it, as precious as they appear to us now, it's all we have now, are not the whole story, not by a long shot. And of course, the greatest example of faith in the Old Testament was what Abraham was willing to do to his son on Mount Moriah at the command of God. So to finish today, 
In what ways have you experienced what it means to step out in faith? What hardships have you faced? What joys have you experienced? Knowing what you know now, what might you have done differently? Wednesday, July 8, Abraham the Wanderer. A study of Abraham's life reveals that his faith included difficult struggles against doubt and disbelief in God's power. Abraham's ancestors were idolaters, we read about that in Joshua chapter 24, and perhaps this background explains why he did not always have full confidence in God's power. Twice he showed cowardice and told Sarah to tell only a half-truth, and those stories are recorded in Genesis chapter 12 and chapter 20. He laughed in Genesis 17.17 when he was told that he would have a son with Sarah. Despite his faults, Abraham was still used by the Lord because Abraham wanted to be used by him, and thus the Lord was able to mould his character. One means God used to shape Abraham into a reformer and a missionary was his many wanderings. Travelling is an education in itself. It opens a person to new ideas and the possibilities of change. Pilgrimages to Jerusalem were an important and required part of Israelite worship. The changes the pilgrims experienced when they had to walk distances, sleep in other places, eat different food, encounter another climate, and meet other people, enhance their faith by their vulnerability. Their worship, with its sacrifices and offerings, sacred dances and reciting of psalms, helped God's people to confirm their identity and traditions. In his travels from his birthplace in Ur to his burial site in Hebron, Abraham visited at least 15 different geographical areas. Most of the important reforming and missionary episodes in his life are connected with his journeys. Question. What were some of the spiritual lessons that Abraham experienced in the following places? First of all, Moray, at Shechem, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were there in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. And Hebron, in Genesis 13, verse 18, right through to chapter 14, verse 20. Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. And it came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisa, Chedlorimah, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shemember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar. All these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Chedlorimah, and the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Chedorlamah 
And the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephaim in Ashtaroth, Carnaim, and Zuzim in Ham, and Emim in Shaveth Keriathim, and the Horites in the mountain of Seir as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Then they turned back and came to En Mishpat, that is, Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hezazon, Tamar. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoah, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim against Chedlorimah, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Alassa, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fled there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram and the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eshcol and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobar, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shaveth, that is, the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Chedlorimah and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And at Mamre, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. And in Genesis 18, verses 22 to 33, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave... I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men turned away from there and went towards Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, and to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. 
And he spoke to him yet again, and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed now, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. And finally, at Mount Moriah, in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the Lord or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Thursday, July 9. Abraham, a missionary in his own house. Question. It reads in Genesis 18, verses 18 and 19, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. 
for I have chosen him, so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Question. What important lessons about faithfulness and serving God do we find in these texts? Well, Ellen White writes in Education, page 187, God called Abraham to be a teacher of his word. He chose him to be the father of a great nation because he saw that Abraham would instruct his children and his household in the principles of God's law. And that which gave power to Abraham's teachings was the influence of his own life. His great household consisted of more than a thousand souls, many of them heads of families, and not a few but newly converted from heathenism. End of quote. Missionary activities will be more successful when they are backed by a family life that is in harmony with the designs of God. Bible history and church history tell us that most early Christian churches were house and family based. One of the reasons Abraham was chosen was that God saw his ability to direct his children and his household in the way of the Lord. God's purpose in the family equals his purpose in missions, namely, as it says in Proverbs 21 verse 3, to do what is right and just. Question. What examples of Abraham's family can we find that show that they were faithful to the Lord? Well, just two verses. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, in verse 11, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. And in verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Of course, in the Bible, we can also find examples of godly men whose families didn't follow the way of the Lord. Nevertheless, the point of the text for today is clear. Abraham's faith and example were strong enough that those of his household learned, as it says in Genesis 18:19, to keep the way of the Lord. So to finish today, to keep the way of the Lord, what does that phrase mean to you? How are we to keep the way of the Lord? Friday, July 10. From the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 368, we read, God called Abraham and prospered and honoured him, and the patriarch's fidelity was a light to the people in all the countries of his sojourn. Abraham did not shut himself away from the people around him. He maintained friendly relations with the kings of the surrounding nations, by some of whom he was treated with great respect, and his integrity and unselfishness, his valour and benevolence, were representing the character of God. In Mesopotamia, in Canaan, in Egypt, and even to the inhabitants of Sodom, the people of heaven were revealed through his representative. And that brings us to our discussion questions for today. There are four. 
Number one, for thousands of years, the story of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah has thrilled and challenged the faithful while evoking scorn and ridicule among those who have seen it as an act of cruelty and barbarity. Read the story over again in Genesis chapter 22, which we won't do right now. What great lessons can we take from it? What does it teach us about the cross and the terrible cost of sin? What does it teach us about what taking a leap of faith entails? Why is the story so troubling to many? Question 2. Read Genesis 12, verses 11 to 13. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarai his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen, when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, This is my wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. And chapter 20 and verse 2. Now Abraham said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. Two accounts where Abraham, a man of God, showed a lack of faith. What can we take away from these stories? Question 3. One of the most famous texts in the Bible is Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. What does it say? In what context is it given? How is this text used in the New Testament? Well, we'll look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and Romans 4 verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What does it teach us about faith, works, and salvation? And question four. Who were some of the great religious leaders whose family members didn't follow in the way of the Lord? What can we learn from their stories that can encourage anyone who struggles with helping family members to be faithful? Inside Story Our mission story this week is continuation of the story from last week titled The Gun Would Not Fire and this is part two. Lem was a soldier and his assignments often took him away from home. When he was home he spent much time and money drinking with his friends. One day Lem's buddies began teasing him about his wife's interest in religion. What's the matter, Lem? One man challenged. Couldn't you keep your wife from joining you at that church? As the teasing grew more intense, Lem became agitated. You're wrong, he finally blustered. I'll prove to you that I can control my wife. With these words, Lem swaggered out of the bar and headed home. That afternoon, Fernando had been visiting homes of people interested in studying the Bible. He wasn't far from Julie's home when he decided to stop by to make sure Julie still planned on his visit the next day. As he neared her house, Fernando was startled by a loud blast that sounded like a gunshot. 
At first he was not concerned about it, but when another shot rang out, he looked around to see who was shooting. Just then he saw Julie running toward him. "'Run! Get away!' she shouted. "'Lem's trying to kill you!' Fernando took cover behind a large tree. He knew that Lem was an excellent marksman, and if the man wanted to hit Fernando, he could do so easily. Julie ran back toward the house, where she found her husband angrily yanking at his gun, trying to remove a bullet that had lodged in the barrel. As Julie saw what he was doing, she grew bold. Lem, you know that God jammed your gun so you couldn't hurt Fernando. None of Lem's efforts could unjam the gun. Surprised by his unexpected turn of events, Lem put the gun down and listened to Julie explain how God had worked to save his messenger from death. When he cooled down and sobered up, Lem admitted that his wife was right. Fernando had done nothing to harm him. Lem no longer objects when his wife and children attend church services. He has accepted Fernando's friendship and has agreed to Bible studies. He has told his drinking buddies that he is glad his family attends church and they have stopped teasing him. Those who witnessed the events of that day agree that God truly worked a miracle to save Fernando's life. But the change in Lem's heart is no less a miracle. Your reader for this week's lesson has been Dr. Percy Harold. This lesson is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is always faithful.